The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. It's, it's based upon what Jesus said back in, uh, in the Gospel of John, that he's giving them a new commandment. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another the way I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. That's fascinating. All men will know you are my disciples by the fact that you love one another. That's what he says. Well, here in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12, let me read this text. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. It's quite, quite literally, it's love is out of God. He's the source of love. And everyone who loves is born, has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God is manifested in us, that God has sent his, his only begotten Son, which really has the idea of his, the one that he adores the most, his one-of-a-kind Son, into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. Big word, but it means to be the satisfaction, the one who satisfies a righteous God's expectations of us. He's the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. Now, forget this. This is amazing. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us if we love one another. Now, and he's given us his spirit. His spirit is one who empowers us to love one another. Now, think of that passage right there. He's saying that God is invisible. You can't see him. So when we love one another, when believers love each other, People on the outside of the church are able to see God manifested in these believers. There's, I've told you about this guy, Christoph, who writes, a, he writes in the New York Times, a column in the New York Times. And uh, he has said about four times, he is amazed by Christians because they're always there when people need them. He's talking about around the world. He's been around the world, and he says he has seen Christians in all kinds of situations because they want to manifest their love for each other. And uh, that's exactly what, what John is saying, is that if we are loving one another, people can see God. And that's one of the motivations for us loving one another. The reasons that John gives here, he gives three different reasons why we must love, be actively loving one another. And by the way, this is not an easy task, because uh, what we find out is it's not that we're not lovable. I'm very lovable. But there's some people who just don't like me, <laughs> and you know how that is. Uh, it's supernatural. The Spirit has to empower us to love one another. And here's what he says. He says that the Father is the only source of love in verses 7 and 8. That's why we should love one another, because God is the only source of love. Love comes out of God. So every time you see a person loving, an, a believer loving one another, you know that that's the, the Father being manifested in that situation. The second reason he gives in verses 9 through 11 is that our Father has shown us how to love. He's talking about the cross. This is how to love. When you look at the cross, you see God giving his only begotten son, his monogamous son, which means the son that he loves above all. 
This was the most important thing to him, his son. And he gave his son to us because he loved us. Why did he send his son into the world to be the propitiation for our sins? Because he loves us. That's why. And so he is the source of all love. The Father has shown us, the second reason he gives is the Father has shown us how to love in verses 9 through 11. That's talking about the cross. How do you love? Well, in verses 9 through 11, he tells us that the Father loved through giving his Son the most important thing to him for our greatest need. We had a need that couldn't be solved by anything else. I went to the ophthalmologist this, this last week, and um, my wife is watching real close. She wants to make sure I go to the doctor 50 times a month. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so everything, on, everything about me is being checked out. Well, my vision has been affected. I lately haven't been able to read. I don't know if you've noticed it, but I have a hard time reading a passage of Scripture because I lose my place. And uh, so I had to go see this ophthalmologist, and so he checked my eyes out. I had a brain bleed here a month ago, and uh, so they thought it was just caused by that. Uh, but he looked at it. He said, well, uh, I can't do anything for your eyes if it's, if it's caused by your brain. You need to see an, a, a neurologist for that. But then he looked at it, and he scanned it, and he came back and said, I lied. Uh, the problem is you've got an inflammation behind your eyeball. And he said, the way that we can fix that is through injections in your eyeball. I hated to hear that. <laughs> just, but on the way home, God gave me a gift. We stopped at the best restaurant in town, Dad's <laughs> Cafe. And, we, uh, were, and as we walked in, we saw two people we knew. Uh, we saw uh, Carol Whitman and, and Jermetti, yes. And we know both these ladies from a long time back at Grace Bible Fellowship. And uh, both of them told me that there's no pain when they, shoot, when they stick a needle in your eye. Isn't that weird? I don't, I don't know if I believe it or not, but I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to count it to be true until I have the shot, and we'll see. But anyway, he says that he thinks that this shot in my eye will reduce this inflammation, and it'll, it'll cure my problem with my vision. I hope so, but we'll see. And he told me, he says, you, you, don't, you can refuse. If you don't want to do it, it's no problem. And I said, well, I might do that. He says, it actually isn't as bad as it sounds. And they told me, who they've each had shots in their eyes, especially Jamaica. She's had shots in her eyes for a long time. She has macular degeneration, is it? And so she's had shots for a long time. And she goes, honestly, there is no pain. They numb your eyeball. And so when they stick the needle in, you don't even feel it. So I'm counting on that. <laughs> we'll see. So in this situation... What, what he is saying is that we're supposed to love each other because this is the testimony concerning Jesus Christ. This is what Christ has done. This is Christ has, has, is God's love for us. He sent his son into the world for us because we desperately needed him. And uh, so love is out of, what he says is love is out of, as to its source, comes from God. God is the one who loves and all of us experience love because of what God has done and who he is. Uh, when we talk about regeneration, we're receiving the very life of God. That's what it means, regeneration. You receive God's life inside of you. It's in the person of Christ. If you remember Colossians 2.7, it says that one of the greatest truths in the Bible, this, the, it's the hope of glory that we have, is Christ in us. Christ in us is what happened to us when we put faith in Jesus Christ. He came to live inside of us. This is what the Bible says over and over and over again, that he came to live within us. 
And so all of us who are not loving have never known God, he says. Well, I couldn't have not known God if, if, he hadn't, if he hadn't sent his son to come to live within me. So all those that are not loving uh, one another have never known God as he really is because he's love. That's what God is. Sometimes people get upset that we don't just punish people for their sin instead of saying, confess your sins and he'll forgive you of your sins and, and he will uh, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Isn't that amazing? And what do you have to do? You have to confess your sins. You have to be honest with God, the Father. We tell him the truth about our sins, and he forgives us our sins because he sent his son to die for us and to pay the penalty for sin for us. And and so he says, God is the source of all love. He, He has given us regeneration, and the effect of regeneration is we know him. We know him. Now, this isn't say, it isn't saying we know about him. It says we know him. We actually have a relationship with him, and we know him. And he is, when we read these things in Scripture of what he's done for us in Christ, we know it's true because we know him. And we know he's telling us exactly what we need to hear, what we need to understand. So one of the things in Scripture, that is, when it talks about God, it says that God is spirit, God is light, and God is fire. And uh, so this God, from where love comes, doesn't condone sin. His love has found a way to expose it. That is light. So we can see it for what it is. To consume it through fire, because he is fire, and without destroying the sinner, but rather saving him. That's what he did for us. I still remember uh, being having my sins forgiven. And uh, it's amazing to me that God could do that. And he's the only one who can And he did it by sending his son to take our place and stand where we should have stood before God, the judge, the one lawgiver and judge of all the universe. And yet we now have forgiveness in Christ. It doesn't mean we're perfect. Just ask my wife. She knows I'm not perfect. And your wife knows it too. (laughs) And we know we're not perfect. That isn't why we're saved. We're saved because Christ was perfect. And he stood in our place. And he was the propitiation for our sins. And so we have been forgiven. And the third reason he gives, he gives, uh, he says the Father continued to love through us. And that's what we saw, that when we love each other, people can see God. They can see what God is really like. This is what he's like. You see this love? And you look at it and you go, what in the world's wrong with you, man? That guy, you, if you don't wise up, you're going to be hurt again and again and again. But what God says is, I have found a way to love sinners. I sent my son to pay for their sins. And uh, he, does, he doesn't make us perfect in the sense of we never sin. He makes us perfect in the sense of our sins are not, not uh, put on our account. We are set free, and we're righteous in his eyes. So John says, no one who has, been, who has been to the cross and seen God's immeasurable and unmerited love displayed can go back to a life of sinfulness. Now, what he's talking about is if you're having trouble with selfishness, Go back to the cross. If uh, you know, I I had, I don't know what how this is. I'm not sure if people that are selfish understand it and know it and hate it. I have sins in my life that I hate. I hate certain things, and uh, I don't know if it's like that with selfishness. But this is what we're supposed to do. If we're struggling with selfishness, we go back to the cross. That's where we see God manifesting His love towards us at a very high cost. I have one son. I have three children. One of them is my son. He's he's the was he the third born? I guess 
No, he's a secondborn. <laughs> You're right. Thank you. Uh, my son, he's not perfect, but I love him dearly, and I, I, uh, I don't have any grudges against him. I can forgive him easily. Uh, I can remember when uh, Bill and I bought a tractor together, and uh, then he decided after about three days he really didn't need a tractor, and so I just gave him his part of the money back because it was, it was fine, no problem. And I think we're still friends. We, we, there's no grudges held. We're, uh, and he didn't sin against me. He just uh, told me the truth. I don't want that tractor. Now my son-in-law has that tractor. What, what the wonderful thing is with God is he has found a way to forgive us of our sins, not our mistakes. That was a great tractor. And he gave it up. And... Uh, but God forgives our sins, our real sins, when we violate the very law of God. For example, the, what we're reading right now is that God has a commandment. He tells us to love one another, to love one another. Well, how do you love somebody who believes something that makes you angry? You know, when, they t- when you find out they believe some doctrine that you think anybody that would believe that is an idiot, I, how can I ever uh, have, love you? Well, let me tell you how. You do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. Maybe you don't like that doctrine, but that's the truth. The Bible says in uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1, as each one has received a gift, use it as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You're supposed to use the gift you have. Every single believer has a spiritual gift, and he has the Holy Spirit living in him. And he's supposed to use his gift to dispense the grace of God. Now, let me explain this just a little bit. Uh, In the early church at this time in history, uh, most people lived in a household where there were servants. And these servants had the responsibility of dispensing what the owner of the house, the master of the house, was was acquiring for them, food, clothing, everything else. And he says that what we, the reason we've been given a gift is our master, the Lord Jesus Christ has provided for each of us, and he wants us to be dispensing grace. He wants us to be talking to people and letting them know who they really are in Christ Jesus. I, uh, I received a card last week from somebody. I don't know who it was, uh, and I hope they're not in this group, but it was a card that he sent me, and it was the most encouraging card I've ever received. It was amazing to me. I honestly wept over it. I couldn't get over it. It was just it was, it was so encouraging because all he was doing was encouraging me. It was simple things, just the, the simple things of life that you care about people, that you want, to talk, you want to encourage people, you want to help people. That's what God's made us to be. We, ha- we all have this desire, all of us here. When we, have prayer, when we have prayer requests and so forth, we all care. We got to visit Robin this past week, and I'm telling you, it was the most encouraging thing in the world to me. I hope it encouraged her, but it was really encouraging to me because she's that way. Whenever you're with her, you know that she loves the living Christ and that she wants to live her life for him, and she wants to die for him. She wants, she knows that she's going to be in heaven before me, and so she t- tells me that she's going to welcome me there when I get there. And I think, wow, that's amazing. Um, she was such an encouragement to us. She sent us a card and uh, with a great blessing, and just it was it was wonderful. That's how God is; He works through His people. And when we love each other, I was seeing the Father through her. I was seeing what God's love is like. 
through her. I was seeing what God was, what God's love was like when I received that card from whoever it was that sent it to me. It was just so encouraging to me. It overwhelmed me. I broke down because it was just, you could tell somebody actually cares for you. Sometimes you get to thinking that nobody really cares, especially if you're going through trials. You remember James? James was the brother of Jesus, and he said, count it all joy whenever you fall into various trials. And then he explains why. Knowing that trials, suffering, produces endurance. And he says, but you have to let endurance have its perfect work. In other words, a a person who's trying to build themselves up for some event, they're they're, uh, doing exercises that strain their muscles, and uh, they just keep going and keep going, but they know there's going to be a result. It's going to be their biggest. They're going to become stronger. And that's what endurance is. It's being able to abide under the pressures of life and continue to believe God and trust God and serve God. That's what endurance is. He says, but you have to let endurance have its perfect work. We have to go through the suffering, the trials, in order to come out the other side strong enough to stand before the things that God has for us. And sometimes we don't know it, but God has an appointment for us with someone that's going to be very difficult for us. And yet he wants us to be the messenger that tells them the truth about God's love for them and manifests it by the way they treat, they treat them. So the cross is our pattern of suffering. We go to the cross. When, when we're suffering with selfishness, we just can't see. Why, why would people want to help somebody? Why don't you just keep your money and, and build it up and keep all your stuff and don't ever be concerned about anybody else? Well, it's because he wants us to understand that our loving one another is a, is a great testimony to the living God that we serve. People can see what he's really like. And so when we love one another, our Father's love is shown in the way we, we react to each other. So how do we demonstrate love for one another? Let me give you a list of things. We're, found in, we're told to relate to one another in particular ways. It's demonstrated throughout the New Testament that, that is a manifestation of love. Here they are. Here's 12 of them anyway. There's really many more than this, but this is what this is 12 of them. Recognize we are members one of another. We're members one of another. John 17 says something astounding. God says to his son, I'm going to make your disciples one in the same way that we are one. Do you get that? That's just, that's absolutely fabulous that we are one in the same way that the Father and Spirit are one and the Son are one. We understand that, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are, are one. They think the same. They feel the same. They act the same. They are in total cooperation with each other. The Father leads the Trinity, but they are not trying to overthrow him. They're not resisting him. They're doing exactly what he desires. And we're told that the Spirit helps our weaknesses because we don't know how to pray as we ought to. Is that true? We don't know how to pray as we ought to? Sure. There are times, even though we hear what what people are going through, I remember one time I had a phone call. Somebody said, would you come down and pray for my grandmother? She's dying. I go down there, and uh, they want me to pray for her death because they say she's been suffering, and it just goes on and on and on. And so I did. I prayed that God would take her home. She was a believer. I prayed that God would take her home. In five minutes, she went to heaven. And I said, well, that's my specialty. (laughs) If you're about to die, you can call me. Uh, if you're ready to go and you want to go. Well, 
how do we demonstrate this love with each other? Well, we recognize we're members one of another. So that means that we're on the same side in this war against sin and against Satan and against the world system. Be devoted to one another. To be devoted to one another? You're a high priority on my list. Bill, I mean that, even though I was made a wisecrack about you. Honor one another. In other words, lift each other up. See one another as being special because we are saved children of God in the presence of the living God. We are among his people. Be of the same mind with one another. That's talking about all of us being of the same mind. Now, the same mind is easy because it isn't hard to do because we need to understand what the Word of God says about who we are and what we are to do. And so as we, for example, we're to love each other. So we be of the same mind about this. And, uh, and then he says, accept one another. <laughs> Romans 15, 7, greet one another. And uh, I know that this is what God wants me to do, is he wants me to love people. He wants me to share whatever he gives me with, with his people. That's what he says. He says, give it to them as a gift, because this is what they, this is what they need, and this is what I want to give them. That's why he's gifted you, so you can dispense his grace to others. And sometimes you don't even know that, that God has filled your life with grace and that you can do so much for people. I'm not talking about giving away money or gifts. I'm talking about just loving people. And loving them comes in all kinds of forms. But having people in your home, for example, and manifesting a love for them and a care for them and concern for them. I mean, just asking about how things are going is a big deal. I got this card that I got. It was a, it had a Starbucks. Yeah, it was a Starbucks card for a coffee. I didn't care anything about the coffee. But I concerned, I, I was so blessed by the message that he simply noticed. And, and he told me what he thought that what God was doing through me in his life. It was wonderful. This is what God wants to do for all of us, through all of us, for others. So as each one of you has received a gift, use your gift in serving one another, in dispensing the grace of God. Sometimes the grace of God comes in the form of words. He says it right there in the passage. He says your spiritual gift is either a speaking gift or it's a serving gift. A lot of people don't talk, they just serve. Some people talk, and that's exactly what we need to hear. We need to hear them communicating the word of truth into our lives. And so that's what we're talking about. So he says, be devoted to one another, honor one another, be of the same mind with one another, accept one another admonish one another. Now that surprised me that was there. Admonish one another. The word admonish, nuthatao, means to confront somebody to the face, say, hey, you're going in the wrong direction. Isn't that wonderful when you're going down the street and somebody stops and says, hey, I think you're going the wrong direction. You need to go back three blocks, make a right, and go down three blocks and make a left. I got lost one time, and so I went dry. I took off one night, and, and I couldn't see anything. I was in the marshland, and I got out there, and I was lost, totally lost. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know how to get back home. And I saw a service station up the road a ways. I went up to the service station, pulled over, went inside and said, hey, I'm lost. We're staying down here. And I told him where we were staying. And I said, I don't know how to get there. It's so foggy, and I can't see a thing. He says, go three stoplights down, make a right, and just stay on that road until you get home. That's, that's where you got to go. I appreciated that. That was good advice. I did what he said, and I got home. You know, God wants you to trust him that he's put you in the body of Christ 
among people who love you and they care for you. Now, sometimes we'll say things to each other that may not sound like I'm trying to build you up. Sounds like I'm trying to tear you down, you know, like stop doing that. But but sometimes I need to listen and I need to to see what the Word of God says about this. Uh, I, I remember a friend of mine, I got married when I was 19 and Judy was 17. And we've been married 58 years, so you can tell how old we are. Uh, and we... Uh, I, had, I asked a friend of mine, I said, you know, I wonder if I got married too young. Maybe God didn't like that. He goes, I don't know about that, but I can tell you this. He wants you to love her now. And, and, he, and he quoted to me the passage in Scripture. that says, husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church. That stuck with me. It stuck in my heart. And I realized my responsibility to my wife was to love her. I do a lousy job, but that's what he's called me to do. That's what he's called all husbands to do, is to love their wives the way Christ loved the church. How was that? How did Christ love the church? Well, he, he, do you remember seeing The Passion of Christ? I still remember seeing that movie. We went to a theater and watched it. I was so broken, I could hardly move and get out of the theater. It was overwhelming to me. It was such a, it was such a display, a, such a, uh, it was such a, an enacting, a, a, a uh, it was such a real uh, picture of what Christ suffered for me. And the whole time, that's what I was thinking about. He would do this for me. He would suffer this for me. He would take this kind of uh, disrespect and beating and death for me. And the answer, of course, in the scripture is yes, that's exactly what he wanted to do for you. He died for you because he loves you. For God so loved the world. Now, you have to understand in that passage, John 3, the word world is used throughout the book of John as the enemies of God. God so loved the world. The world was that standing against God. He says, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Isn't that amazing? That he actually wants to bless you? Even though we were a part of a group of people that were against him? And this is what he wants, to, wants us to do now. He wants us to understand that he has placed us here to love brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes that's hard. It's hard to love brothers and sisters in Christ because sometimes it puts us in situations where we feel like this isn't what's best for me. That's not the issue. Is this what's best for them? Is this what is best for those that he's called me to love? And this is what he wants to do in your life. He wants to use you as one of his agents to pass on the love of God to people, to let them know exactly what it means that he loves you. Jesus Christ is in heaven right now, and he's praying for us. That's what we're told, that we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes with groanings to you for words, and he who searches the hearts, and in one place that is referring to Jesus, so I assume it's Jesus who's doing this, the one who... Uh, searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes according to the will of God. And so this is what the Spirit is doing for you. He's interceding for you, and he's interceding that, that God would work in such a way that you would do exactly what he wants you to do, what his will is for you to do. And so I just want to admonish you today. I think we're going to take communion, right? And uh, as we take communion, we're, we're coming before the table, uh, even though the table isn't right here, but we come to the 
the table by coming to the elements, and this stands for the very person of Christ. And what we're doing is we are acknowledging that he is our Savior that we rely upon. And so uh, this is what we're going to do next, and then we'll, we'll uh, have a chance to, as we, before we leave, you'll have a chance to encourage someone. Do it. Don't put it off. Just do it. Encourage people. Tell people how great God is and how much he loves them. I give you the permission to, to tell people that God loves them so much they can't even imagine it because that's exactly what the Bible says. The love of God, it's overwhelming, it's wonderful, and he wants you to be someone who passes it along to others. So let's pray for a second. Our Father, we thank you so much for our time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the promises you have made to us and for the commands that you've given us that are so worthy. They, they are things that we should be doing because we love you and because you are love, and we want to be manifesting the truth about who you are. So we pray that we would love each other and that people would see who this God is that we serve. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. To respond to this message or learn more, please visit calvarytruth.org.